Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This episode of Believe is brought to you by Cryptid Coffee Co. Use promo code BELIEVE on checkout for 10% off their angry Yowie coffee blend. Head over to cryptid.com.au to check them out. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. To tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just un... Like, the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Cade Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO Podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Tonight, I'm joined by Rod, and Rod is technically a returning guest to the podcast because he actually called up for one of our, I believe, the Night Shift live call-in shows with a very, very fascinating Yowie encounter, and I could not let Rod just kind of disappear into the night, so I got him back, and uh, he's come on to share the uh, incredible Yowie encounter he had in the Pilliger. So, Rod, welcome back to the show. Beauty, thanks, Kane, and uh, absolute pleasure to be here, mate. Mate, it's fantastic to have you here. Uh, when you called in on the live show, it was uh, bloody incredible the the stories that you were telling, and um, you're you're really a man of of many tales, to kind of put it lightly, because you've actually called into the live show a couple times now, uh, each with a kind of a fascinating tale to go along with it. But tonight, we're we're going down the path of the Yowie, and mate, where did this really all start for you? Because I guess there's usually a, a pivotal moment in someone's life where they go, you know what, I'm interested in the Yowie. So where did that start for you? Oh, mate, started at a very young age, uh, basically still at school. Um, uh, yeah, just uh, pictures of the uh, off the uh, Paddy film, and uh, mate, boy, um, you know, being a young fella, you, know, you just put it into little boxes and you stow it away in the memory. And uh, yeah, so at a very young age, and then uh, um, those two young fellas up at Kilcoy, um, up at Sandy Creek, there. You know, which started the whole uh, statue in Kilcoy, and uh, uh, and their um, well, their encounter there, 
So, um, yeah, very interested in that. So, um, as I said, um, yeah, always had an interest. Um, uh, knew the, knew there was the existence of Bigfoot, and then, um, and then that uh, pivotal moment. Uh, uh, those boys, uh, they made the newspaper uh, up here uh, on the Darling. Well, I was in Toowoomba at the time, and uh, certainly made the paper there. And uh, yeah, well, we've got these things in Australia as well. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's where my interest uh, all started. Um, always been a, a keen outdoorsman, uh, and uh, anyway, uh, had the opportunity to um, uh, do a lot of hunting up in the Brisbane Valley in the uh, Kilcoy uh, area, uh, and just a little bit north. And uh, uh, cut a long story short, um, yeah, spent. Uh, 10 good years up there hunting up in the Brisbane Valley um, typical uh, Yowie country um, my first question to the property owner was um, have you ever seen the Yowie <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he was quite adamant and uh, he spent his entire life in the district and never once um, did he uh, have that uh, have that uh, feeling so um, that he was being watched or heard anything unusual but a lot of um, AYR encounters up there. Yeah, some some in the distant past, uh, some very very recent. And um, yeah, and I, I'd been through all that area. Uh, as I said, um, did a lot of hunting up there, and uh, uh, I never felt, uh, even in the boonies, you know, the um, never felt uh, at ease at all. Um, so uh, yeah, it was interesting, but it, in my thought, it comes down to location, 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 and uh, and timing. So um, uh, yeah, the uh, but probably more location. Um, the next part of my journey was uh, uh, an encounter down at um, my mate's property. Um, uh, because it's ongoing, I can't give too much away about it. But uh, very interesting. It's been gone well. Uh, the encounters there have been uh, uh, probably over the last four years. Uh, the last, uh, the last going on was um, uh, probably gee whiz, um, uh, February, February uh, last year. So you say there's an active investigation from your team. On that property involving a Yowie? Well, um, myself. Uh, uh, because it's um, a hunting property, and uh, uh, yeah, it, um, I, I haven't had my team down there, so. Uh, and and uh, uh, oh, gee, I tell you what, you, you call it team, and that, that's pretty formal. You know, we're, we're just a bit of uh, uh, knock around guys uh, who enjoy each other's company and, uh, and, and just, well, I, I just put it down to being um we all enjoy being out bush and uh if uh, if something strange happens <laughs> um yeah uh, all the good you know but um yeah it's, it's just a uh, enjoyment of the australian bush and um yeah but um once you become aware of, of what's out there um yeah you can uh, every, everything falls into place um uh, just recently you know i've you hear talk of um, Australian Yowies being so aggressive as compared to American Bigfoot. I, um, uh, I think they're like people, uh, which uh, which I'll go into later. 
But um, uh, yeah, I think uh, you can strike anyone on a bad day. So uh, yeah, that, that's my theory. Uh, as I said, the uh, the, uh, the last ongoing uh, down on the property uh, was very very interesting. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, for all the uh, uh, listeners, uh, yeah, we caught on trail camera. Um, unfortunately, I never get, got to sight the pictures, but um, uh, these pictures were snapped uh, way out in the uh, back blocks and uh, 2.30 in the morning and uh, 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 the uh, property owner um, he didn't own the camera but the guy, he saw the camera and the and the film and uh, he said um, uh, big hairy arm that finger's attached really? And, uh, yes, and the uh, the other photo uh, um, showed two uh, two entities. So um, uh, again, uh, a little bit grainy, uh, a little bit foggy. But um, yeah, he was uh, he was quite adamant. And um, the placement of the camera was actually near a, a dam, and the naming of the dam went from the um, at the Reed Dam. It is now called by the guy who owns the trail camera, who apparently doesn't believe in Yowies. Uh, it's now called Yowie Dam. So um, I find that very, very interesting. So, yeah, so as I said, it's still ongoing there. Um, but, um, yeah, so that was my, um, that was my, basically my first encounter with Yowies. And, I, I uh, have to ask before we, we go on, because I know I'm going to get absolutely blasted by the listeners if I don't. What what happened to the picture? It was put onto a business laptop. Uh, that's where my mate sided them, and apparently he deleted them. So, uh, yeah, the owner of the photos. Now, I find that very hard to believe as well. Um, also, when he's actually saying that, that um, um, he's referring to the damn Jowie Dam, but... Um, uh, yeah, talking to my mate, he said um, yeah, he was definitely a, uh, a non-believer, um, and I have no idea why. If if he did, um, or and why he did, if he did do it, so I don't know. I wonder if it, if it was like a if you said it was kind of like a work laptop. Usually, if he's working for potentially, if this individual is working for a larger company, they usually ten, turn over those laptops rather frequently and it could have just been one of the a genuine case of hey i turned the laptop in and i didn't realize this picture was on it and now it's gone forever um possibly but i don't think so uh only only small business yeah so, right so you think he's still got it don't you well i don't know i don't <laughs> it, but it's like it's like yellies mate uh conjecture <laughs> I, I don't know uh unfortunately as i said um, I wasn't privy to the photos. All I can go by is uh, what my mate said he saw on the laptop. So, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, uh, mate, if you like, I'll uh, uh, I'll shoot you um, some uh, some of my uh, uh, occurrences down there. And uh, oh, actually, if you see one of the photos, you'll see that handprint uh, on the side of a. Uh, green caravan yeah absolutely so let's let's dive into that because you've had some pretty fascinating encounters in the pelaga and uh you've got 
actual photo evidence of of some of the the encounters that you've had here, which I think is really, really fantastic. So uh, for anyone listening to this episode, if you jump into the show notes, you'll find a link to this episode on our website and you'll be able to view all the images on there. Mm, mm. Yeah, but um, okay, so we'll, mate, we'll jump into the pillager because, um, well, uh, we had, uh, well, as I said, we've got we've, we've got a great mix of guys and girls, and uh, absolutely fantastic people. Uh, no, no one else I'd rather be in the bush with, you know. We just have an absolute ball of the time, and uh, uh, and they range from uh, hardcore uh, like Bob, absolute hardcore Yowie chaser. Uh, I, I don't like the term Yowie hunter, you know, but um, and I, I think sometimes they're hunting us. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I like the term Yowie, uh, Yowie, yeah, chaser. Uh, I don't consider myself a researcher or an investigator. I just like being out in the scrub, you know. But um, okay, so how it all started? Um, uh, joined a Facebook group. Well, Bob, Bob put up a uh, 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 anyone interested in uh, having a look for Yowies. So um, yeah, contacted him straight away. And uh, we all got to, uh, got together down at Witherin, uh, down at Sharp Park, and uh, had a great uh, a, gr- a great weekend down there or an overnighter. Got to meet everyone, and uh, yeah, it, um, it it sort of blossomed from there. So uh, yeah, did a lot of um, lot of research. Uh, well, you can't call it research. We spent a lot of time in the scrub down there at Witherin, and uh, yeah, met some fantastic people. And then one night we were we were down there and we all sat were sitting around and uh, um, the topic came up about well we were having a lot of uh, stuff happening down at Witherin and but we said where where would we go to have a yowie encounter and possibly see see one and well instantly um, the the pillager came to mind so um, it didn't take too long actually probably six months of planning and uh, we ended up. Uh, uh, with five of the Stanley, there was Bob, um, Bob and his uh, uh, girlfriend at the time, partner, uh, myself and my sceptic wife, uh, Karen, and uh, Steve, uh, who's the first responder. So, um, yeah, all very good. So uh, uh, we planned a, uh, a week down there, uh, including uh, travelling time. So about an eight-hour run down uh, for most of us. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, uh, we rolled in. Uh, Bob and Bob and Park got there first. Uh, they're actually in a uh, uh, a big transit uh, camper van. Um, certainly had its advantages and disadvantages. The um, so um, uh, yeah, we we rolled in, uh, set up camp. Uh, now, uh, yeah, Karen being the uh, skeptic, uh, that made it uh, very interesting. Uh, Steve, uh, yeah. Uh, being first responder, a lot of common sense, uh, and on the sceptical side. And uh, mate, I love sceptics, and uh, and I love their reactions. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> so all good. Now, um, so we set up camp, and uh, now this is at Salt Caves at the Pillager. I had no problems whatsoever stating exactly where we were, and uh, yeah, so uh, we were at the campgrounds just north of the fire tower. Uh, anyone who's been down there, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, the area was chosen mainly because of 
uh, the day area with water, as well as the Salt Cave Dam, which is probably about a kilometre to the north. Um, now, uh, the timing of the trip. Okay, uh, early May 2021. Well, we all know what happened then. That was the uh, lunar eclipse and the blood moon. So uh, uh, just fell into place nicely. Uh, thought we'd take advantage of that with a uh, you know, the low-light area there uh, through the Pilliga and uh, Kinabarabin. And uh, so uh, yeah, set up camp now. Um, uh, another very important thing to uh, uh, take in is uh, we did an emu pick around, uh, picked up a, a little bit of kindling, and uh, we basically knew what was on the ground uh, around the campsite. So, um, uh, yeah, this will come into play the uh, in the next morning. So, um, uh, yeah, just on dark, got a nice uh, campfire going. Uh, we had the gazebo, the uh, uh, camper trailer or, or camper van uh, was very, we were all very close together, and um, and Steve had his uh, uh, double swag, you know, the hoop type, and uh, that was um, right next to his van, but on the uh, campfire side. And um, anyway, uh, the. Uh, we, you know, had a bit of music going, um, all set up, um, all, all, everything plugged in. Uh, drinks were nice and cold. And we were all, uh, this was fairly early in the night. I, I would say there might have only been an hour uh, since um, sunset. Anyway, um, so we were all sitting around the campfire. Um, the walk from the campfire to the uh, gazebo might have been, oh, 20 yeah, 20 to 25 feet. Anyway, so Karen... <laughs> now, Karen said, uh, uh, oh, I'm, anyone want drinks, I'm, I'm going up to the gazebo. And uh, anyway, so she uh, just stood up and uh, made her way to the uh, gazebo, popped the lid on the esky. Uh, because of the uh, little bit of music playing in the banter around the campfire, um, Karen heard this uh, creature walk in and we didn't. So uh, uh, the first, uh, the first uh, uh, knowledge of this um, creature in camp was when uh, Karen started yelling at us to uh, come and have a look. And uh, so by the time we took those half a dozen steps up there, uh, the encounter was over. But um, yeah, my wife had uh, had sighted this creature. Now, and uh, I'll give you some thoughts. On, um, on why she saw it and I'll give you the uh, uh, the description of the encounter now uh, thinking back on it my wife Karen, the weather was just starting to cool uh, you know, there was a, probably a slight nip in the air she was dressed in all black and she had a, um, a fur hooded jacket on um uh, and and the uh, hood was up over her head, and uh, it, she was quite comfortable. Um, I honestly, honestly believe that um, this creature had been watching us for a, a fair little while, and I, I just honestly believe that <laughs> um, it, it was looking at, at Karen, and when, when Karen went up to the tent, it took an opportunity to get a real close look at it. Um, 
whether whether it um, you know just got confused or, or did it think um, Karen was a, an, another another creature? Uh, it's only assumptions that one can make. So uh, yeah, so Karen's at the uh, at the esky. She's heard a walk in in her hand. She had a very cheap uh, service station torch. So she's heard it walk in, um, and it had positioned itself behind a um, uh, a fairly scrubby tree. Uh, Karen looked up, and it was behind the tree. It swung out uh, on its right-hand side, and um, basically uh, looked at Karen from about uh, 20 to 25 feet away. Um, I don't know who got the biggest fright. The um, Karen automatically put the cheap torch up into its face, and uh, now uh, it instantly threw its arm, arm and elbow up, and shielded its eyes. And uh, and then Karen sort of turned, started yelling at us, and then uh, we came running. Uh, by the time she'd moved her head back, it had slipped back into the bush. Now, um, the description, uh, physical description. Um, Steve stands about 6'2". Uh, next morning we had Steve up there and uh, uh, a rough measurement of uh, approximately 7 foot tall, uh, all covered in hair, um, with the very, very dim torchlight in its eyes. Uh, it did reflect back um, um, uh, red eye shine, uh, definitely not glowing. Um, it, it was reflection off the torch. Um, now, uh, everyone was just over the moon. <laughs> there were so many questions flying, and uh, but I, I, I couldn't believe how uh, stoic uh, Karen was. Uh, there, there's, I would have been, and I think most people at uh, twenty-five feet, something seven foot tall, covered in hair. I think a lot of people would be um, maybe in the fetal position. But um, uh, after the uh, uh, encounter, uh, Karen and I did did have a moment uh, together, and I said, "I said a lot of people would have, and myself included, might have just crumbled uh, with spotting this thing." And I said, "I said you seem to be taking it very, very well." Anyway, she said, um, "I said, yeah, why?" And she said, "It looked so human." And it looked so curious. So um, that, uh, yeah, for the first night, turning up at, at the Soul Caves and to have that happen, it um, it, it had the making, makings of an unbelievable week down there. So um, uh, that was uh, that was our first night. Um, yeah, as I said, everyone had a million questions. The uh, uh, yeah, something very, very special about that place. Um, none of us were, none of us were spooked. I, I think Karen's encounter, it almost like it had a, a sort of calming effect on us. But um, yeah, so yeah, very interesting. Okay, so well, uh, that I was actually going to ask that because if that's the the first night of the the entire weekend that you're staying there, I. I would have thought the tension would have been quite high, and I'm amazed that you actually stuck around. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. 
uh, well, the areas are interesting, and how people react is probably as interesting, you know. But um, uh, yeah, well, there was there was no mention whatsoever of uh, now. Um, it was decided that uh, if you know, safety first. If there was an issue with safety or we thought we were in, in over our heads, um, only took one person to have any concerns and we were out of there, you know. But, um, yeah, it never it never came up. Uh, there was a few anxious, anxious moments. But, again, um, I don't think it... I think we were all in awe of what was happening around us. You know, it was... You know, it was there's a very interesting study in uh, how people react, you know. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll carry on because it just um, it gets it gets very interesting. Um, uh, if people get the opportunity to have a look at that hieroglyph. Now, next morning we're up early and uh, uh, looking around that tree area um, just to the east of that, but only, only a couple of steps. Um, here's this hieroglyph on the ground. Um, but I think Bob spotted it and uh, called us all over. And, um, yeah, make of it what you will. But, um, yeah, this hieroglyph, uh, uh, it was uh, drawn into the ground. Um, if you notice carefully in the centre of the hieroglyph, there's a stick. Now, on one end of the stick, um, there was moisture. I... I have no explanation on why it was wet because the ground itself uh, was very, very dry. I, I don't believe there was any sub, sub uh, strata moisture there. So what the moisture, if it was moisture, um, um, uh, whether it was an oily substance off its skin, uh, I, again, it's only conjecture. I I have no explanation of it. But, um, yeah, we all, we all stood around this thing. Um, because it was so close to the camp and uh, yeah we uh, had a lot of theories floating around but um, uh, in the end who knows but yeah. it is rather interesting this this picture because it, it doesn't look like this would just be something that was kind of accidentally made by bugs or or, or anything like that or insects or anything like that this is something with structure it it's done with purpose and now a quick word from our sponsor head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the acclaimed movie all of us strangers starring paul mescal and andrew scott stream the new hulu original limited series we were the lucky ones with joey king and logan lerman and don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Yep, that's exactly right. Now, this this also comes into play with what I said uh, the night before. We'd been over that ground gathering up um, uh, kindling and firewood. So 
if that was on the ground previous, we would have seen it without a doubt because it was in, as you can see, it, it was in fairly open ground and very, very close to the campsite. Uh, we would have been over that area probably six or seven times gathering up um, firewood. So, again, uh, I believe it was done uh, once everything had settled down, we'd all gone to bed and uh, and it for some reason came in and threw that on the ground. I have no no idea the wise or wherefores, but um, just another very interesting aspect of uh, of our trip down there. Okay, so we've had the encounter. We've got a hieroglyph on the ground. Um, our, our next plan of adventure was um, it was decided, um, seeing that um, uh, this creature possibly could be in the area, uh, we decided, uh, and I'm not really keen on gifting, but um, uh, yeah, just the, uh, you know, you don't want to make them too friendly <laughs> so uh, but yeah we uh, we put in a uh, an orange out the uh, uh, the next night and we did have uh, uh, a bit of fruit laying around as well but um, yeah had an orange very put very close and um, uh, so what happened that night the orange was out and yeah, I, I, I think the eclipse was later. So um, next morning, um, up early, orange gone. Uh, quick scout around, found the orange peels in the scrub uh, and just to the south of the camp. Um, from it, its positioning, it then looked like it... Um, uh, decided to come in and have a real good look at this uh, and that comes into play with um, the handprints uh, found on the back of Steve's uh, Land Cruiser which uh, puts it very very close to Steve, probably within um, uh, three metres of him while he was sleeping there in his swag and uh, yeah so um, yeah, uh, very very plainly visible where this thing had propped itself up there and, uh, and quite content to be very very close to us but as I said, we you know we're all uh, all in their slam, uh, uh, swags or um, in the in the camper van or in uh, in our tent. Uh, so uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, we knew this thing um, uh, definitely had an interest in us. So, how many days were you at this campsite for in total? Well, we had uh, the one day run in, uh, five days there, and then the one day uh, run out. So uh, yeah, we were yeah we were basically in there probably six days. Wow. Or six days. Yeah, yeah. But as I said, um, uh, yeah, we. Uh, I know Steve got a little bit nervous there one night, and he actually moved his swag uh, under the gazebo, <laughs> so uh, out from the Land Cruiser and and, and under the uh, under the gazebo, uh, things are starting to get a little bit uh, a little bit strange. So, um, yeah, discretion, the better part of Bella. And, uh, yeah, I yeah, certainly wouldn't want to be out there, um, uh, even the tent. But uh, I'll, I'll carry on with, um, you know, with uh, uh, the next night. So, um, yeah, so we found these. Found these uh, prints on the back of the car. And 
Uh, we we knew that um, this thing had uh, uh, obviously it, it was very curious of us. Okay, now we um, we had a fairly uh, sophisticated um, camera setup. Uh, uh, Bob uh, uh, set up and supplied the uh, uh, IR cameras. Now, uh, yeah, I see people uh, rolling their eyes on IR cameras. <laughs> but, um, okay. Now, uh, uh, we had, uh, I think we had four IR cameras and a, uh, a Starlight camera. Uh, I had a, a couple of trail cameras uh, that I'd positioned out. And, um, yeah, I, I've just got to uh, think and get the, uh, all the sequences right. Um now I reckon that night was the uh, 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 the lunar eclipse, and um, uh, uh, we were we were seated around the campfire. And now I had a clear shot to the west uh, through the scrub, and I could basically see the horizon. Um, now this was before the eclipse had started and uh, lo and behold out on the horizon uh, I'm looking at a uh, uh, a yellowish light and uh, I'm thinking is that a uh, is that a star because you know you can see stars right to the horizon out there anyway so I called Bob over and I said mate what do you make out of this I said can you see what I'm looking at through the scrub and he's looking and we're both looking and then um, and we'd probably watched it for probably five minutes. And it just saw, I mean, it launched, it launched to the south. And we both looked at each other and thought, this is really, really strange, you know. Um, from the salt caves, once you're up on the fire tower, you can basically only see two lights. They're both red. Uh, I suspect one, uh, they're both airport lights, more, um, I don't, yeah, they'd have to be airport lights, so be bright red, maybe fire towers. Um, one, yeah, the one at Narrabri, the one at Baradine. So, um, yeah, we saw something unusual in the sky, you know, apart from the eclipse. Okay, so, um, yeah, very interesting. And so we're all seated around the campfire, and, we, and, and we're uh, just having a good old natter. And uh, anyway... Steve looks at me and he says, "Can you hear that?" And I said, "No, I, I'm I'm not picking anything up." I said, I, "Then we both got up and um, uh, we moved just away from uh, uh, everyone else yapping." And uh, he, uh, he he said, "No, can you hear, can you hear it now?" And I said, "No." And I said, "What what are you hearing?" And he said, "It sounds like." two people arguing in the bush and I said Where, how far out do you reckon he said oh might be 100 120 metres out and to the uh, to the west of us anyway um, uh, I don't think Bob could pick it up but um, so Steve stayed there and Bob and I uh, went for a walk to the east of the camp so we walked Oh, I'd say maybe 80 metres. And uh, we were just standing there in the dark. 
and um, all I can describe this vocalisation was um, it had absolutely huge lung capacity. Um, it started very, very low and finished high, and it was no no animal I'd ever heard out in the bush. Definitely not deer, um, and, and you could rule everything else out, you know. Uh, because of the, the, just the huge lung capacity. It was just incredible. Uh, Bob and I looked at each other and uh, <laughs> beat a hasty retreat back to the campfire. And, uh, yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd never heard anything like it. Now, the description that Steve gave, someone arguing in the bush, uh, that'll come into play later as well. So, um, uh, yeah, took in the uh, lunar eclipse absolutely spectacular and um okay now so i i do have to ask the the ufo encounter that you had there do you feel like that was related to any of the encounters that you're having here or do you think that's just some happy-go-lucky type of event there yeah mate yeah it, it was just a side we were just lucky to see it I don't think it had anything to do with um, uh, our Yowie encounter or in Yowie's encounter because I, I can't see something arguing with itself in the bush, you know? <laughs> and and, and the, the speed that whatever this was covered from to go from um, uh, the west side of the camp uh, and go to the east, and, and this thing I estimate was out probably 400 to 450 yards, and but oh, the volume was just incredible, and, and the amount of air, um, absolutely amazing. But as I said, I'd never heard anything like it. I'd imagine the uh, the vibe in the camp is starting to change rather quickly when this is going on. Well, um, yeah, yes and no. Um, everyone's still fairly level headed. Um, there was no uh, <laughs> no major panic or anything like that. Um, but it um, it became. Um, very, very interesting. There, there seemed to be something. Well, yeah. Hold on to your seatbelt after um, after the uh, after sunset. You know, there was uh, yeah, just yeah, very, very interesting. Okay, as I said, we uh, Bob did have a very, very good IR setup, and anyway, so uh, Bob had a. Uh, a laptop monitor inside the van and he called me in and he said what do you make of this now we had uh, we had a bush a bush edge uh probably with 60 70 meters and the defined edge you know scrub edge and with the ir cameras on um again at seven foot a set of eyes uh standing on that bush edge and I honestly think um, with uh, with the lighting and the IR cameras, that was the edge of its comfort zone. And um, so, yeah, it was, uh, I tell you what, you certainly get a, a chill up your spine when you're looking at a monitor and you know that um, this uh, seven-foot creature is standing uh, just north of the camp and, uh, and taking in the view and... Uh, unless you were looking at the monitor, you were totally oblivious that you had a visitor. And uh, but from that point onwards, um, it became 
um, a lot more gamer. It, uh, uh, with our uh, hub tent set up on the gazebo, uh, it started to um, uh, basically uh, come into the uh, edge of the camp, as I said, with the, on that bush edge. Now, the um, power supply for the cameras, uh, we learned our lesson that it wasn't quite adequate and that the cameras would power down uh, between 2.30 and 3.00 in the morning. And basically, when those, those cameras powered down, uh, so um, get through your VR, they could, well, that, uh, I, I know in my own mind that, um, yeah, they can definitely see IR. And uh, when these when these cameras powered down, um, you could hear the creature come into camp. Oh, really? Yep. And uh, okay, so that's cunning, isn't it? Oh well, it it it, it explains a lot of things. It, it really shows that these creatures have like a quite a high level of intelligence to to be able to recognise that whatever this is isn't functioning anymore. Well, I, uh, because the IR cameras are, are shedding IR light all the time, uh, the um, yeah, I think their eyes are, are that sensitive. You know, for it to throw its arm up with a, uh, a half a half worn servo torch and and pretend love well, acted like it was blinding, you know, when Karen first spotted it that first night, and then for the IR cameras to be operational. And it's standing out that sixty to seventy meters in the in the scrub line, and when the cameras power down, it comes in. Uh, mate, the only well, the logical conclusion is, yes, they can see how I am. Uh, yes, they have very very sensitive eyes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it makes yeah. sense, doesn't it? Oh, it certainly does. So yeah, that's that's uh, another lesson learnt. The um, but then, as as I said earlier, you know, with that uh, the last evidence on the mate's property, um, they got caught out uh, at two thirty in the morning. Obviously, they weren't expecting <laughs> to walk in front of the trial camera. Yeah, it's it's rather it's rather interesting, like how you hear some of these encounters where, um, because I, I'm I'm very much like you, you know, I've I've spoken to enough people to be under the impression that these creatures can see some sort of infrared light. I don't know what it is, but they they do seem to avoid those areas. And you kind of hear like when people put on um, infrared cameras or, or game trail cameras that the activity almost dries up on those properties. So it's, it's interesting that sometimes that these things just kind of get caught out and it goes back to a comment that you kind of said earlier um right at the start of this conversation there rod of um you know you get these things on a bad day and you just don't know what's going to happen and you know it's just think of us when we kind of kick our toes not like it's something that we kind of do all the time but it's something that just kind of catches you out every now and then and uh i guess that's my bad analogy of saying you know us kicking our toe is the same as a yaoi or a bigfoot kind of getting its hand caught on an infrared camera before it realizes oh geez what am i doing yep exactly exactly okay so um as i said with the power situation um uh, uh this creature was coming in um uh 
Obviously, Steve had, um, had uh, some shuffling around, uh, positioned his swag under the gazebo. And, uh, um, well, I, uh, I, I probably uh, I probably got my biggest um, wake-up call. Uh, Karen and I, uh, this was probably four, four or five nights in. And uh, uh, I was sound asleep. Uh, Karen's a fairly light sleeper. And... Uh, uh, the uh, cameras had powered down and I get an elbow in the ribs and uh, and Karen goes, can you hear that? And, uh, well, number one was uh, the um, uh, the uh, scent given off by it. It, um, that, that re- it was like smelling salts. <laughs> it woke me up the- Quickly, now I, I estimate um, that the scene couldn't have been any more than two to three meters from the side of our tent. Oh wow! Yeah, we could see, we definitely hear it shuffling around. Um, uh, their eyesight must be just incredible, you know, absolutely incredible. <laughs> but um, yeah, it it just it just wandered around within, went past our our tent. We had a little bit of gear outside. You could hear it shuffling around it. Uh, having a good look, but um, now the smell. Uh, I, I have, I, I believe, encountered the smell before down at Witherham. Now this one, um, I don't think it was. I think there's two distinct or two or three distinctive smells, uh, depending on uh, their heightened um, uh, degree of being absolutely pissed off with someone you know if you're in their area they watch you out um yeah it's completely different to the smell that we smelt at um at the soul caves uh the smell we got there and uh karen's got a pretty sensitive glass as well and uh it was like oh what what explain it as two to three month old body sweat um, it was just eye watering, you know, and uh, uh, yeah. I, I I I couldn't say I could smell any sort of fecal matter or anything like that, but it was just this overwhelming body odor, and uh, yeah, so um, and then yeah, it basically uh, yeah, just just wandering around the camp, uh, I don't just. Just curious, uh, as you know, as Karen said, it just had a curious look in its eyes. So um, I ended up um, once I heard it shuffling further away, <laughs> um, I, I just uh, fell back asleep, you know. And uh, yeah, so uh, and then probably it sat up. It's, it's just made its way um, out to what it considered a safe distance again, you know. Whether uh, whether I, I had no idea. I have no idea of, um, what it considered a safe distance, or but it, um, in that experience, it only sounded like the one. But you know, earlier on, it it sounded like there was two in the area. So um, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I have no um, uh, no conclusions to draw from that. But um, uh, obviously, yeah, just the sheer curiosity of us being in that area.
Yeah, and you know, you really you do hear this quite a lot when it comes to uh, you know people camping in, especially the Pilaga. It just seems to be this incredible hotspot for for Yowie encounters, and you know, rightfully so. It's it's kind of prime territory for these kind of creatures. But the the thing that I do hear quite often is that you you kind of get them in twos. There's there's never just the one there. So um, Dean Harrison from AYR is a very good friend of mine, and he uh, he he basically swears by it that when you see one, there's not one far away. Yep, exactly. But as, as I said, um, whether one was um, playing cockatoo and keeping a lookout, but um, um, I've often often been asked by friends, you know, why didn't you jump, unzip the tent and jump out with a one of your good torches? Well, I, I just didn't want to see what sort of reaction it caused, you know? It, you know, if, if it was reacting the way it did with a half-flat torch, um, you know, I've got, well, we've all got some pretty good torches. <laughs> Number one, because we're not allowed rifles, so... <laughs> 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 it's never had too much torch. But um, I was never... It never even entered my mind to... Um, uh, slip out and, and try and hit it in a, in a good torch. Uh, I just didn't. I, I just didn't have the um, the faith in what reaction uh, it, w- it would have caused. And that's fair enough, you know. Like this is a this is a wild creature, and you you got to treat it like a wild creature. You just Australia doesn't really have any kind of major predators in the bush, and uh, us Aussies really aren't accustomed to to dealing with wildlife like that you know the the most dangerous thing out there that we would probably run into might be and it really depends on where you are uh i'll use my location where i live in cairns you know you could run into a a cassowary or you could run into a wild pig or you'd run into a a crocodile and each of those have their own type of aggression towards you and there's different ways to deal with it but when it comes to something like this it's just so unknown and it's yep exactly you just what do you do and i think that you made the right decision you know you do nothing you kind of pretend you're not there and let it move on its way yep exactly well um over that period it had shown no aggression with what we were doing so yeah we were basically just kept on that same path um uh fully fully prepared you know uh, if something stepped out uh, to have a good look but um uh yeah uh yeah they actually um uh confronted um yeah just my thoughts probably probably not a watch if you know okay so uh, you would have seen um uh, some photos there of um uh, uh inside the Narrabri hospital uh with the paintings Ah, yes, yes. Okay, so uh, you'll see the Owie uh, depicted there. Um, I don't know if anyone's been in, unfortunate enough to be into the Narrabri Hospital like I was. But, uh, yeah, I ended up with a, an overnight stay in there with um, kidney stones. So I went down there in a screaming great heap. Um, yeah, so I've I, I sort of, uh, the, the timing of it, I've got a little bit wrong. Uh, sorry, guys. Um, now... I, I did make mention of the arguing in the bush and uh, uh, and how that came into play. Now, Steve and Karen decided to go into Narrabri and resupply. Uh, pa and Bob 
decided they, while they were there, they wanted to slip down to Hickey Falls and have a look at the uh, uh, location of that sighting. So um, I was left in camp by myself. <laughs> okay, so um, I, I'm, I'm sitting there and, and feeling quite comfortable, actually. And uh, anyway, um, I heard a, um, a vehicle up at the day area. I heard that car door slam. Well, you know, click, yeah, you can hear everything. The bush and we're not that far from the day area. And the track... Uh, goes from the day area and it basically it's just west of our uh, uh, campsite. Uh, if you jump onto Google Earth, you can see all this. And this track runs up to uh, Salt Cape Dam, which is very, very popular uh, with the bird watchers. So uh, uh, I'm sitting there uh, having a cup of tea and I see the heads, heads bobbing through the scrub and uh, the big binoculars uh, around their necks and I thought, I'll, I'll catch up with these guys on the way when they when they come on their way back, and hopefully they'd be on that track, you know. Anyway, sure enough, a couple of hours later, the um, I, I could hear them talking as they're coming up through the scrub. Definitely not a yali, and uh, yeah. Then I spotted their heads bobbing. Anyway, uh, yelled out to them, and uh, uh, they came up into the camp. Anyway, yeah, uh, got talking. I said, "Oh, how'd you go?" I said, oh, "Obviously, you guys are bird watchers." And they said, "Oh, yeah, yeah." And, uh, we saw a few down there, a few different species, but um, um, yeah, just the time of year, um, we didn't see as many as we thought. Anyway, they uh, they sort of cast their eyes over our campsite and uh, they said, and, uh, uh, so you've been here a few days, uh, what are you guys up to? And I said, oh, we're chasing yowies. <laughs> the old fella, so it was the old fella and his missus. Anyway, uh, he, he had a, a bit of a smirk on his face. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the typical uh, non-believer, you know, which is fair enough. And, uh, and I said, uh, I said, where are you guys camped? And, uh, they said, oh, we're up at, uh, Dandry Gorge. And, uh, anyway, Steve, Steve had a bit of a connection with Dandry Gorge with, um, uh, rallies. And I said, oh, oh, that's interesting. And I said, uh, nice spot. And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely beautiful. We're the only ones there. And, uh, I said, have you heard anything strange? Anyway, uh, uh, the old, the old, old chap, he, he, he just started to say, mouth no, and his missus just glared at him, and she looked at him and said, well, you explain what we heard last night. And oh, I said, oh. wow. Uh, and I said, uh, I said, what did you hear? And she looked at me, and she said, it sounded like Someone arguing in the bush in the gorge just oh, down. No way. Yep, yep. And and and, and they, I've struck that a few times with um people's mindset. The um yeah, but she came out and she said, Yeah, there was what she heard she described as people arguing in the bush. Unbelievable. And and, and I I uh, I just gave sort of a bit of a nod and uh and uh thanked them very much for their time and, and uh, away they went back to Dandry Gorge. Now Dandry Gorge as the crow flies is about um, 35 kilometres so um, maybe I, I think if something well, it's see it's all speculation isn't it um, uh, yeah I, I don't know would they travel 35 k's in a night? Well I know I was in the Red Deer Project up at Crashbrook Dam uh, in my time, and uh, a red deer stag 
it'll it'll travel 20 k's a night. I, I reckon these creatures have the absolute possibility to do that. You know, you look at a, a normal man, and these things have potentially four, five, six times the the stride length of of us. Yes, they do. <laughs> they do. Um, that that is dead right, uh, and uh, I know that for a fact because of, we had one walking on us at uh, Wither. Never sighted it, but um, six steps, and I reckon it covered. You know, easily covered. Uh, Thirty meters, and you know, you put this thing at at a at a jogging speed or even a running speed. That stride gets, you know, thirty percent longer. Oh, exactly, exactly. So, um, as I said, you know, the, the locale of uh, the salt caves. Um, I, I think it's curiosity that drives or brings them there because that it, it's a known camp spot, um, and. Now, the other interesting thing, um, the only sign of life we saw, uh, our entire trip there, we saw, um, it was at the height of the mouse plate, so we saw some mice. Uh, we saw a, um, a bandicoot, and we saw two emus. Uh, at no stage did we see any marsupials whatsoever. So, um, uh, unless you count the bandicoot, but uh, yeah. So, food-wise, um, I, I, I do say... Um, the, there should be a lot more encounters uh, all creatures down around Dandry Gorge uh, that's only my opinion for what it's worth you know so um, okay uh, I know we're uh, getting a bit uh, tight on time but um, okay so um, yeah as I said I found that very interesting that they uh, they said uh, and described it exactly the way Steve described it um, okay, so um, basically our, our trip's coming to an end then. And uh, at the... Uh, so we uh, packed up fairly well that night. And uh, next morning, um, did the Emu pick around the area. And so uh, all the gears in the car, I'm doing a walk around and uh, you know, picking up any uh, any bits of paper or you know, a bit of plastic or whatever and I um, I, I walk back to the vehicle and and I'm surveying our camp area now we did find some pretty ambiguous tracks but for the, for the visitations that this creature was doing during the week I would have expected a lot more but, but the penny never dropped until I was standing there looking ready to depart. And basically, every every bit of scrub that it could have stood on to conceal its tracks, it did. Basically, our campsite was flattened. <laughs> Absolutely flattened. And it, um, uh, when that orange went missing, um, I, I believe it, um, uh, it, it was standing on bits of timber uh, or trees that had fallen. Um, it's it's very hard to get your mind around how it would position itself and not leave tracks. But um, that's what it was doing. Uh, any tufts, tufts of scrub or uh, grass, yeah, they, they were all flattened. And um, yeah, so that's what it was utilising to uh, uh, keep its presence seen on the ground to an absolute minimum. And um, yeah, so um, uh, as I said, we. Uh, and uh, then uh, went, wow, what a great trip. And uh, 
met more than our expectations. Um, uh, Karen, the biggest skeptic, had had the signing the first night, and uh, and yeah, we uh, uh, well, we all experienced something very, very unique in the Australian bush, and uh, yeah, so th- yeah, that was our our pilgrimage trip. May your your pilgrimage trip is, I think the the dream trip for uh, many a Yowie fan out there and you know I, I'm truly envious of it because it, it seemed to be quite a action packed trip and you know it's not very often that you get a a non-believer to basically have a face-to-face encounter with one of these things and I can only imagine the the paradigm shift that your your wife had after that to go well yeah I guess I guess Rod is out here and he's actually doing something that matters now because <laughs> I think that gave you basically uh, infinite cred to go out looking for these creatures for, for the rest of your life now, Rod. I think that's uh, an absolute free pass for you. But I do have to ask you, mate, like, what do you, before I let you go tonight, like, what do you think the the Yowie is? Well, mate, I honestly believe that it's that close to humanity. Uh, it's one well, is it one step forward or one step back? Who knows? But very, very closely related. I can only go by what Karen said. You know, it, it looked so human. That's why she. Um, uh, that's why she. It didn't worry you too much. You know. Um, uh, interesting. You say. Well, um, when when I first um, started looking into my mate's property, uh, I said to Karen, "Look, give me a leave pass for twelve months." <laughs> and, and let, and, and now it's it's going on four years later. There you go. There but you go. Now, now some other interesting stuff. Just just quickly, um, uh, another member of our group, um, Lee, she um, she spoke to some um, uh, Aboriginals from the area, and I don't know whether this one's ever been um, spoken about before, but she was t- uh, as I said, she was speaking to. Um, uh, one of the Aboriginals down there, and he relayed a story of a family uh, that used to live in the Pilliga, an Aboriginal family. And the mother, so I think there was um, uh, five children, and she said that she had six children and she had to give one back. Wow, that's interesting. Yep. Yes, yeah, that is very, very interesting. And when you when you have a look at the uh, the paintings that young girl did and, and on display at the Narrabri Hospital, uh, it seems that the Yowie is in, integral uh, in the lives of the Aboriginals there. Absolutely, absolutely integral. Uh, I have no doubt. Now the other one uh, is um, this same guy. Uh, he he relayed us, uh, his own story. And that was, uh, he was in a, a creek system, and there's a lot of them, so I can't give you an exact location. But um, he was um, uh, in there um, just foraging, a bit of bush tucker. And um, this is the only bunyip encounter I've ever heard of. And, uh, um, yeah, he, he came across a bunyip. Uh, he saw it at a distance. It, it absolutely terrified him. Uh, it, he, he was adamant it wasn't a yowie. He said this creature was made up of all 
different kinds of animals. Yep, yep, that sounds exactly like a bunyip. And I've only ever heard one other person with a bunyip encounter, and they won't come on the podcast. No, no. Oh, mate, uh, yeah, that... Um, well, it, it terrified this um, this young fella enough. He refused to ever, ever go back into that general area again. He just uh, just terrified him. So, uh, yeah, so uh, in the end, yeah, we ended up with the bunyip story. <laughs> Mate, I, um, I'm going to have to have a chat with you off the air about that one because bunyip stories are so uniquely Australian. Like, there's nothing else like that out there. Yeah, um, and at the connection with water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. But, yeah, so but now... Um, uh, so that was Pilliga 2021. Uh, we planned a trip for Pilliga 2022, uh, same time, May, and uh, the floods. Uh, we we gathered up at Coonabarabin up in um, uh, one of the national parks there, and uh, uh, I think we had, we might have even been lucky to get 24 hours of sunlight, and, uh, and then um, basically the floods chased us all the way back to Brisbane. And uh, yeah, so um, we were in position to get into the Pelaga, but unfortunately, the uh, the floods uh, caused us um, uh, to uh, evacuate very quickly. And uh, so we get to Pelaga 2023. Um, I'll I'll have a yarn to you about that, mate. And uh, uh, yeah, we might um, might utilise the Believe podcast and uh, see if uh, we get some. Uh, interested but serious campers involved so yeah well. absolutely mate i think i think you'll find an army of them out there to be honest well uh, i hope so i hope so mate it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you there tonight rod your <laughs> your weekend uh, i guess your your extended stay at the Pilager is quite a quite an interesting one and i think one that a lot of people would envy and mate i uh, i can't wait to get you on the podcast again because you are you also have a super super fascinating uh ufo encounter story that you shared the other night on our live show that i'd love for you to come and share to the uh i guess the main show so mate this is a an invite for you to come back and uh i'll have you back anytime Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Gabe. And, uh, uh, well, I, I think, as I said earlier, it's it's all about location, timing. Utilise the resources that are there. Uh, I, my hat goes off to the AYR uh, guys and, um, and, and Sarah. Um, you know, uh, that's basically how uh, I based, based my... Um, uh, first um, locales, you know, were, were straight off their sites, and uh, uh, yeah, you, uh, Witherham, uh, yeah, it's it, and Springbrook. I I haven't had that much luck at Springbrook itself, but um, yeah, definitely Witherham. Uh, it's uh, it's an amazing place as well, but but so many encounters, so many encounters. But yeah, just. Um, you know, footsteps in the dark. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, amazing. But um, yeah, I'm certain we'll talk again, mate. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal in UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, 
Don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you.